The reading this evening is Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28 through to 40. On the Church Bibles, 1054, or on the screens. Luke 19, the triumphant entry to Jerusalem. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray um, for Sam before he comes and speaks? If you feel comfortable, do um, stretch out a hand. Father God, thank you for Sam. Thank you for his ministry here at Christ Church. And I just pray um, that you would speak powerfully through this passage and through him this evening. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jack. Oh, good evening. Good evening. Fantastic. That's, that's like six of you. Well done. Um, how are we doing? Are you are awake? It's kind of summer evening. Yeah, kind of just about awake. Great. Okay. We'll be lively tonight. Don't worry. So uh, my name's Sam. As Jack said, uh, I'm also on staff. Uh, as Jack um, uh, on staff here at Christchurch. Uh, Jack and I and Jess head up the student ministry. And... Um, and I'm here to, this evening to talk about Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday uh, is maybe something that, that some of us who've been in the church a little while would recognize. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of the less weird things, like, bits in the calendar. Um, I'd maybe say Ash Wednesday is, is one of the weirder ones. There's, there's a few kind of odd things that we do around Easter. Um, at least this one has a decent chunk of story in the Bible to, to explain, you know, fully, this is why we're doing it, this is why you've got the palm leaf cross type thing. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on the, on the tradition of it tonight. Um, if you're interested in that, there's um, Google. Have a, have a look. Uh, help yourselves. If I'm getting dull, you've got your phones. Um, we're also not going to touch too much tonight on Jesus' uh, subversive upside-down kingdom uh, that... Whilst that is a big part of this passage, um, if, you're, if you're interested in that, um, have a listen to the talk that Download did um, the other week. That was really good on this. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more about that. And I'm also not going to talk too much around the prophecy and how uh, Jesus was pr uh, prophesied to be coming as king. 
if you're interested in that, write yourself a note to look at uh, Zechariah 9, uh, verse 9 to 17. It talks of, of how this uh, is prophesied in the Old Testament. And so now I've told you everything that I'm not going to talk about. Um, what should we talk about tonight? I think in this passage, uh, what we've got happening is the idea of celebrity and, and Jesus and, and us choosing spectacle over relationship. And so I want to address that tonight. So let's, let's talk about celebrities. If you could meet any celebrity, who would you choose? Uh, do you want to turn to the person next to you and uh, just tell them your answer? You've got 30 seconds to do that. Okay, that's enough time. Um, do you want to turn back and, and let's have some people shouting out. Who would, you, who would you choose? Michael, who would you choose? Kendrick, of course it was. Coming from Kenny. Uh, Kendrick Lamar from over there. Anybody, anybody say that? Jesus? Okay, yeah. Uh, let's go for... Yeah, okay, Jesus. Pretty good one. It's not a bad one. Anybody else? Prince? Okay. Is Colin Firth? Yeah. Fair. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse... Ooh, scientist. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Anyone from this side? Amber and Izzy, I saw you guys sneak in. Who would you say? Sorry? Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, fair enough. I thought it was going to be like Zac Efron or someone. Fine. Um, <laughs> thank you, good to see you guys. So last week, Dave talked about uh, how exciting it was to see the Queen. And, and I'm sure that would be lovely. I, you know, she seems fine. Uh, seems nice enough. But for me, hands down, it would be Bruce Springsteen. I would love to meet Bruce Springsteen. He's the boss. I first got into his music uh, when I was in college, and I was doing my A-levels, and I worked at this corner shop in, back home in the worst part of town. And I'd work there uh, four nights a week till about 11 o'clock. last three hours, I'd be there on my own. And um, at the end of the night, I'd pull down the shutters. I'd get out this terrible CD Walkman that scratched all my discs, and like these terrible headphone, uh, um, headphones. And... And I turned up to full, I'd unlock my bike, I'd cycle home, and I don't know, there was just this magical quality to his music that really captivated me. I was transfixed, and there was this one night, I remember, I was belting out Thunder Road, uh, as I climbed this, this one big hill, that, um, the kind of hill that you're cycling up and the, there's no blood left in your legs at the top of it, and it's a national speed limit road, it's a corner at the top, and it's covered in trees, so it's completely pitch black. And I remember swerving right at the last minute as, as a Fiat Coupe comes flying around on, the, on my side of the road. I feel the, the wind of the wing mirror go past me, essentially flying off my bike. And I just remember lying on the floor thinking, how am I still alive? And how is Springsteen still playing? <laughs> um, as John Stewart once said, uh, when you listen to Bruce's music, you no longer feel like a loser. You become a character in this epic poem about losers. <laughs> And it's through Bruce's music, um, I will get onto Jesus at some point, don't worry. It's through Bruce's music that I began to understand life. Moving away from home, finding work, anger at injustice, marriage, fatherhood, losing my mum, all these things, understanding that through someone's music. And I tell you all this not because any of those details are actually important, but because I want you to know how much uh, this person's music means to me. I'm not someone who's outwardly enthusiastic about much in life, uh, but if I met Springsteen, I would lose it. <laughs> and when we think about this passage, uh, when I think about this passage, and I think about Palm Sunday, I often think about that kind of encounter, um, that 
It's like that, but turned up to 11. It's like people at a Beyonce concert, like the full Bayhive experience, like just people are losing it. And that's kind of what I assumed about this scene. But actually, what I've assumed maybe is not entirely accurate. Uh, for one, where would the people come from that are, that are coming out for these crowds? They didn't live by the side of the road. They lived in these places that Jesus has traveled between. So they were actually on the journey with Jesus, a lot of these people. And this journey uh, it goes from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's along that same stretch of road where the Good Samaritan hung out. It's steep, it's tiring, it's about 26 miles or so of, of uphill. Um, and it's dangerous at times, it's hard work. And then you get to the top and it's euphoric because you get to the Mount of Olives and you look out over this view and it's beautiful. And uh, there in the distance, so this is obviously modern day, but you can see Jerusalem in the distance. And the people are excited, the end is in sight. They've come here for a pilgrimage. They've come here for a reason. This is the pilgrimage to the Passover feast. It's the pilgrimage that the people of God would take uh, three times a year and that Jesus was on at this point. This is the highlight of the year, though. This is the best one. This is like the FA Cup final, Avengers Endgame. This is like the line of duty finale, all rolled into one. This is incredible. And there are even specific psalms for this part of the journey. For the, uh, in this, this book of Psalms, you've got between 120 and 132, we've got what we call the Psalms of Ascent. Of which uh, Psalm 121 is one of them. And you can see why they're saying it at this point. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a time of celebration for these people. They prepare themselves with these songs of what God has done as they prepared themselves for God to do more, as they got excited about God doing more. It's a little bit like how I'm definitely going to be watching the first eight Star Wars films before the new one comes out at Christmas. It's preparing yourself. It's getting ready. So it's already exciting. And now this time is even different. This time Jesus is there with them. It's not the first time Jesus has come to Jerusalem. Uh, it's not the first festival he, he celebrated there either. This is the first one since he's raised Lazarus from the dead. So that's a little bit different. But for three years, excitement has been building around this person, this person called Jesus, who they've come along with. And he goes out and he sends for a donkey. Go to the village ahead of you and, see, as you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And his disciples, they go and they do it. Seems a little bit rude to me, but I'm sure it's okay. Um, they go out and they do it. And, and that in itself is harking back to that prophecy in Zechariah. It's reminding the people of something that's that was prophesied in the past. And that's why people are getting even more excited. They start going wild, they're celebrating. Like, it's not quite what they were hoping for. They were hoping for kind of big you know, horses and, and storming Jerusalem, taking it back from the Romans. But this is the start. This is something, at least. Aslan is on the move. Like, this is, something's going to happen. And they quote Psalm 118, a psalm of thanksgiving and reliance on God's strength. 
as they get prepared to rely on this guy, Jesus. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But that isn't the end of the story for these crowds. We sit at the beginning of Holy Week, this week where we prepare ourselves for Easter, where we prepare ourselves for um, Jesus, the stories of Jesus dying on the cross, for remembrance of that, and for getting excited about him rising again and, and, and all that the resurrection means for us. This isn't the end of the story for those crowds, just as it isn't the end of the story for Jesus. And this happens on the Sunday before Holy Week. But by Friday, these followers, those celebrating him alongside of the, the side of the road, they're laying down palms, they're, they're shouting, they're cheering for God. By Friday, they've scattered. When everyone else uh, is on board, they're excited, it's great. But when it's dangerous, when worshipping um, Jesus is dangerous, they go back to their normal lives. Their faith is like, a seed, like the seed that uh, Jesus talks about in Luke 8. It falls on shallow ground and, and it sprouts up quickly and it's exciting and it's great. But then when tough times come, it disappears. They're out for Jesus when it's exciting. But worshipping Jesus is a thing they do, not who they are. And this is the cold hard reality of the celebrity Jesus. When we think of Jesus as just a celebrity, as just a, something to get excited about, this is the reality of it. For me, Bruce Springsteen is a role model and he's someone to get excited about, but I don't know him. He's never actually impacted my life in the way that my friends and family have. The people that I've act, I'm actually in relationship with, they're the people who've changed my life. And when we exalt Jesus to celebrity status, we put him on a far-removed pedestal and we value his works over his relationship. Because we all talk about how we want Jesus to do amazing things. We want to see miracles in this church. We want to see lives changed. We want to see huge numbers joining us. We enjoy big events and we, we pray for revival, but then in the week we don't actually get around to reading our Bible or we don't actually spend much time in prayer unless we need something. We want the Sunday Jesus and then we'll see him again the same time next week. Does that ring painfully true for anyone? It does for me, definitely. Um, George has been taking the mick out of me all week saying that if I spout heresy then I'll get a six-week ban or something like that. So I'm um, sorry if this is that heresy. Uh, I d I, but I think it might be true. What is noticeably absent for me in this passage is people's lives actually being changed. Zacchaeus, at the beginning of Luke 19, he has his life changed radically. He begins a relationship with Jesus. His whole life is turned upside down. He is a new person. These people on the side of the road, they celebrate Jesus. They get excited about him. But it won't last because they don't actually know him. They value his works, they celebrate his miracles, but they don't actually know him. And that's why for them, the following day is so confusing. That it's so tough. 
The following day, Jesus goes into the temple courts, and this is what happens. It's at the end of this passage in Luke 19, but I'm going to read it from John 2 instead. Um, The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip out of cords, he drove them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. And in this passage, the following day after Palm Sunday, Jesus burns with righteous anger. He knows that the best for his people is not what they're doing. It's not what they want to hear. And he's not exactly well received for it either. And that's because their celebrity idea of Jesus doesn't match up to the reality of what he's doing. They don't have a flexibility in their fantasy idea of Jesus because there's no depth of relationship with him. They only know one side and it doesn't look like this. So they're confused and they begin to leave. And when it gets tough on the Thursday and Friday, when Jesus is taken, he's beaten, he's hung up on a cross. And their lives are threatened, either by the religious leaders uh, who are claiming it's heresy or the Roman rulers looking to quash the insurrection. Whatever reason, they leave. And their story ends with Luke 23, verse 44 to 48. This is when Jesus is on the cross and he's dying. And it says this, By now it was noon. The whole earth became dark, the darkness lasting three hours, a total blackout. The temple curtain split right down the middle. Jesus called loudly, Father, I place my life in your hands, and then he breathed his last. And then in 48, all who had come around as spectators, these people, to watch the show, when they saw what had actually happened, were overcome with grief and headed home, and they left. There's a large church in the U.S. called Willow Creek where um, they're known for their excellent world-class Bible teaching. And they wanted to put some research into that and see, kind of, well, what of, our research, uh, what of our teaching over the last 10 years has been the most helpful for people? And so they put in a year, they contracted a company, they gathered all this data, and they got the results back. And what they found was that not one single teaching series had had a measured impact in the long term. For the people whose lives were being changed and actively becoming more and more like Jesus, it was the people who were getting up early, praying and reading their Bible, and spending time in relationship with Jesus throughout the whole week. At Christ Church, we can teach you. We can give you exciting worship. We can make a lot of noise. We can have fun. But... What we do on Sunday won't change your life unless it impacts the rest of your week. For your life to be truly changed, you need to be daily encountering Jesus. You need to be reading your Bible, praying, spending time before God, as Jesus calls us to, taking up our cross and following him. It's not to say we won't miss a day occasionally. It's not to say we won't stumble. um, But it's not about beating ourselves up. It's about forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead. 
pressing forward towards the goal for which, for which God is calling us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Because it doesn't have to look like these onlookers on the side of the road. We don't have to be these people. We can join the disciples. Not everyone left Jesus. Those who knew him stayed. The following verse says, those who knew Jesus well, along with the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a respectful distance and kept vigil. They stayed there even though it was tough, even though it was scary, even though they didn't know what was happening. They trusted in Jesus. And what would happen as a church if we, if we lived this out, if we took this seriously? If we each went away this week and spent time daily with Jesus, what would, ha- what would next Sunday be like if we all did that? Not from a place of religious duty or, oh, I should be doing this, but from a place of deep relationship with God. What would happen if we didn't just worship Jesus by the side of the road, but we took time to know him personally, to hear from him, to learn from him, even if it feels like that teaching in the temple where he's turning over tables, where it's hard? What if we took this Jesus life seriously? To quote John Stewart again, um, if we don't stick to our values when they're being tested, they're not values, they're hobbies. If we don't stick to this faith when it's tough, when we can't be bothered, it's not our faith, it's a hobby. If the reason we follow him is that it's exciting and that everyone else is doing it, then when it gets tough, we're going to go back to our normal lives. It's the reality of it. And our difficulty, it might not look like persecution. For us, it might be temptation to unhealthy relationships, to gossip, to laziness. Whatever it looks like for us, the way to protect against it is daily spending time with Jesus. Because the alternative is too predictable. We're ineffective, and we do nothing. And we're sick of that. We want better. We want more. So I was given 20 minutes for this. Uh, We're about 17, so we've got a few minutes to play with. So I want to spend some time. Would the band be able to come up? Is that right? Thanks, mate. Um, I want to spend some time actually silently just reflecting on some of these questions. If this is helpful for you, if some of these questions are helpful, um, then, then spend time reflecting on those. If not, just pray into whatever God is saying to you through this. After which, we're going to have um, a time of response with a song, but we're also going to have some prayer ministry over here. And if there's anything you would love prayer for, I'm not actually going to give you anything to think about because I think God wants to speak to us individually. That's what a relationship is. But there'll be a bunch of us over there who would love to pray with you. So we're going to spend uh, a minute or two in, in silence and in reflection, and then Matt's going to lead us in a song. <laughs>